So a couple of years ago, I was on a mission trip um, in the sort of the backwoods, sort of middle of nowhere, Appalachian Mountains in Kentucky, right? It was back in Kentucky. And so um, on this mission trip, a, a lot of interesting things happened before the trip and then on the trip itself. And, and one night I was sitting there at dinner and, and Chelsea was on this trip with me. And, you know, we, we had hundreds of kids there, middle school and high school or far away, again, middle of nowhere. And I, I experienced something that I had never experienced before. About my mid-20s at this point, in my heart, I, I just felt like it was, was stopping in my chest. And I knew, this, this isn't normal. This doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. Um, and it was beating out of my chest, and then it would act like it was going to stop. And, and I knew that something was off health-wise, like physically, with my heart. It's like, what is happening to me right now? And so it was getting close to, to being late in the evening. I don't know, and if you remember, but I called Dr. Spafford from, from Kentucky and said, what do I do? And he said, go to the hospital right now. Get off the phone with me and go. And so Chelsea took me to the hospital, and we get there, and it was sort of a scary thing uh, because I'd never experienced anything like that. I'd never been in that situation before, and they put me down on, on this bed, and they get me hooked up to all these machines, and, and they saw in their words that my heart rate was, was dangerously slow. Like that, that I was not in a good place. And, and so they're trying to figure it out, and, and these alarm things keep going off on their machines, and, and they're trying to figure out what is wrong with this guy? Why is his heart keep beating so slow? Why is it, it I don't know what the rate was, but, but why is it so, so incredibly low? And so they're going through their checklist, and they're asking this question and this question to try to figure it out. And, and one funny spot in the middle of all of it was that they looked at me and, and they said, Hey, so listen, sometimes like Ironman triathletes and ultra marathon runners have really low heart rates like this. Are you an Ironman runner or a triathlete? And, and Chelsea pipes up and says, look at him, <laughs> laying there with my shirt off, hooked up to this stuff. Does he look like an Iron Man triathlete? And of course, the answer was no. They scratched that off the list, and uh, that, that wasn't it. You're laughing too much. Um, so they scratched that off the list, and that wasn't it. And, and so eventually, they, they said, all right, here's the deal. We, uh, we've heard about your week. We've heard about the last several weeks. We've heard about the last year and all the stuff that you've done. And we've talked through it, and, and we think that, that your body is telling you right now to stop. We, we think that your body is telling you that, uh, that you have to stop, that, that you are overstressed, that, that you have too much going on, and, and that ultimately, the fast pace that you've been going is caught up with you. And because you haven't taken a break, your body's saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to take a break for you, and we're going to pause you, and, and the, the pace that, that sort of got me to that place put me in a position where I, I just didn't have anything else to give, and I had to stop, and I had to sit back, and, and I'm, I'm sure that I'm not the only one in the room with a story like that, maybe, maybe you didn't end up in the hospital, but at some point, your body just said, hey, enough, right, you've got to slow down, you cannot continue to do things the way that you're doing things, and, and that's probably true for more than just me, because we live in a very fast-paced culture, right, there's a high value placed on productivity, there's a high value that, that's placed on work, on getting the job done in our careers. Yeah, but, but not just there in our careers and students. Same for you, right? There's a high value placed on, on excelling academically and, and taking as many classes as you can early in your middle school career so you can take the right classes in high school and then take the right classes in college and then grad school and your job, right? There's this high value on productivity and getting it done, but not just in work and not just in school and our extracurricular stuff too, right? I mean, it, it's not uncommon to talk to a family and see that every night of the week is full of something, right? There's something going on. There's something for this kid or for that kid, or, or there's this social commitment that we're in, right? It just seems like our schedule is always full, and it's harder and harder to slow down, to push back, and to take a break. 
In fact, talking with a lot of people that they will, in their own words, say, we, we just don't feel like we can keep up right now. I don't know how we're going to get done everything that we need to get done. And I'm guessing that this sounds familiar to, to more than, than one or two families in this room right now. There's just a lot of things that are going on. When we make small talk with people and we sort of stay at that surface level and we say, hey, how are you guys doing? The standard answer for, for as long as I can remember has been good. Hey, how are you guys doing? We're doing good. How are you doing? Well, we're doing good. Well, the answer's changed. Right now, the standard answer is busy. Hey, how are you guys doing? Man, we're busy. How are you guys doing? Man, we've got a lot going on. How are you guys doing? Man, we're stressed. I don't know how we're going to fit everything in this week that we have to fit in this week. And if you've been there, if you are there, if you know someone that's living there in that place, I've got good news for you this morning. As we open up God's word, we're going to see that that's not God's plan for us. That God desires that we would have rest. That we would be able to take a break from that pace that we're going on. In fact, we see that in the Ten Commandments. If you've got a Bible, open it up to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be there again, and we're going to see in the fourth commandment that God says, stop. He says, you've got to take a break. It's time to rest. And as you're opening your Bibles, just a quick recap. The Ten Commandments were given to the people of God, right? the people of Israel, after God had called them his children. After God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt, they were his, he brought them out, and he's taking them to the promised land, and he gives them these commandments to show them how to live with the freedom that he's given them in such a way that they will draw close to God and deeper and more intimate in their relationship with him, and they'll live it, as they live in that way, the, uh, the cultures, the communities, the kingdoms around them will be able to look at how they're living and be pointed to the love and the grace of God, right? It draws them close and others close in the same way it does today. As we live by it, it draws us close to God deeply and intimately in our relationship with him. And it points the world around us to him. The first three commandments we've looked at so far. Number one was put God first. Above everything else in our lives, it's God. The second is worship God alone. We don't worship anything else. Our worship is reserved for him. No created thing only God. And then the third, we looked at last week, don't take the name of our Lord, our God in vain. We saw that that's not just about the words that come out of our mouths, but, but that command is encouraging and calling us to live our lives like God matters. And all that we say and all that we do everywhere we go. And then after those things about how we are supposed to interact in our relationship with God before anything else, right? These are coming in order to us before anything else, before don't kill, before don't steal, before respect and honor your mom and dad, the next thing God says is, take a break. He says, you have to stop and you have to rest. Work hard for six days, hard as you can, right? Do everything under the glory of the Lord. And then this last day, rest. Set aside time to be with God. And up until then, right, think about when this is, right? This is a long, long time ago. Up until then, the concept of a weekend or a break was unheard of. Right? That it's just not something that was going on. No nation, no culture had instituted a calendar or a work week like this before. And so by them following this commandment, absolutely, they're going to draw close to God because that's where their focus is going to shift to. And as they shift their focus and shut things down for an entire day, man, every nation around them is going to be like, there's something different going on here. They must serve a different kind of God that, that they would shut it all down to spend time with him. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. That's where we're going to find this fourth commandment. It says this in our Bibles. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made that day holy. Now, as we read this and, and think about, okay, what does this mean in 2020 for the New Testament church family today? There's a lot of conversation that goes around this. Some would say, hey, listen, we're required to stop everything that we're doing for 24 straight hours, and anything short of that, a, a complete halt for 24 hours is breaking this commandment. Others would say that, that listen, it doesn't need to be 24 hours, but, but clearly there needs to be some time set aside in our lives, in our weeks, on purpose to be with God. And, and as we look at this, that there is no argument that, that God is certainly telling his people to stop. He's telling them to cease working. He's telling them to repurpose the time that they have and to keep that time holy. And we know that holy means set apart for God. And every single one of us today, as we continue to live by God's word, is called to live just like this. When we read this commandment, there's a few things that I want you to notice about. If you look at it, is it longer or shorter than the other ones? It's longer. Right? It, it, it's substantially longer than all the other ones. It's the most detailed. And think about this. It is the only spiritual discipline that we find in the Ten Commandments. Right? God could have said, I want you to read your Bible every day or get in the Word or get in the scroll or the Scripture. He could have said, I need you to be in prayer every day, but he doesn't. Right? Those are assumed things about our relationship with God. But he knew the world that they lived in then and the world that, that was going to come, the world that we live in today, that, that we need this reminder to rest, to set aside time to draw close to God. In fact, Jesus helps us craft our understanding of the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2. Jesus is walking. He's there with his disciples, and some of them pick some grain as they walk through a field. They were hungry. It's just something that they were going to do. And as they did that, the Pharisees, the, the people that were focused on the rules instead of the actual relationship with God, they lost their minds. And they said, you guys can't do that. You can't pick grain on the Sabbath. And, and so Jesus spoke up to try to sort of help them reshape their minds and their understanding about what the Sabbath was actually for. And he said, hey guys, listen, you've put all these rules in place for it, 39 I believe, all these different rules in place for exactly what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. And, and that was never the intention, right? You have made people slaves to the rules that you've made when in fact we weren't made for the Sabbath. Jesus said in Mark 2 that the Sabbath was made for us. Jesus said that the Sabbath was a gift from God to the people of God then and to the people of God today, right? And it's a gift given by God himself, and, and God modeled it in creation. Six days, the Bible said, go back to Genesis 1, six days God created everything, the heavens and the earth. And on day seven, what did God do? God, he rested. Why? Is he tired? Could God have created on the seventh day too? And the eighth day and the ninth day and the tenth day, or was God worn out? Listen, it's a silly question. Of course God could have continued to do it. God's all-powerful, creator of everything. God can do anything he wants. And he chose on that seventh day to set it aside as a day to rest, to set it aside to look back on his work and to know that his work was good, not because he was tired, but so that you and I could set our rhythms by him so that we could follow that example and take that break. So my prayer this morning is that as we look at this command of the Sabbath, we'll see that it's good. 
we'll see that it's a gift. We'll see that it's something that God has given to us, that it's bigger than technicalities, that it's bigger than little rules that we might try to craft for us or for other people here and there. And my hope is that as we follow it, as we live by this this concept of rest and set-apartness for God, that, that it will stir up in us two specific things as we look at it, and that's trust and rest. Right? In fact, if you're taking notes, just write those two words down. Because when we think of Sabbath and the gift that God has given us in the Sabbath, those two words should rise above everything else. Trust and rest. Right? By giving us this command, God was telling his people to trust in him. Listen, all of us, by taking a Sabbath, show that we trust God. When God gave this command at Mount Sinai to the people of Israel, it was a new thing. Right? Think about where they had been in Egypt as slaves for 400 years. Do you think they got days off? Absolutely not. Right? So this is a new thing for them. And it's possible that when they heard it, like we hear take a break and we're like, oh, yes, I would love to take a break. I'm going to try to find a time to take a break. But for them, it's probably a different response. For them, it was probably a little bit of fear. Take a break. How? Take a break. What, what, what do you mean stop working? That, that could be a dangerous thing. I mean, think about how the way they lived. I mean, every day they had food to eat because they worked for it. Every day they had water to drink because someone did work to get the water there, right? They didn't have refrigerators to set stuff aside. They didn't have a pantry they could go to and, and, and dig some food up. And so, so for God saying, hey, listen, we, we want you to, to take a break, they're, they're a little nervous now. How, how are we going to do this, right? Their daily work is what allowed them to survive. And so the concept for them of stopping work, just not doing any of it, for an entire day threatened their ability to survive, to eat and to drink, and it had to feel impossible to them. Just like it probably feels impossible to some of us to think there's no way I could pull back for a day. I would think of all the things that I would miss. My my company needs me. My people need me, right? Felt impossible to them, maybe just like some of us, but by asking them to do this and maybe by asking us to do this as well, God is simply saying, trust me. He's telling these people who've had to rely on themselves for so many things, he's saying, hey, listen, it's not about what you can do. I want to show you what I can do. It's not about your ability to provide. It's about my ability to provide, to meet every need that you might have. God's saying, place your confidence, place your trust in me. And here's the thing, right? The, the people then and you and I today, we, we know that God can be trusted. We've seen God provide over and over. If you flip back in your Bible one or two pages and look at Exodus chapter 16, the people of Israel, that they're walking through the desert and they said, we need some more food. We don't have enough food. We don't have the things that we need. And God said, okay, you want more food? I'm going to give you more food, right? But it's going to be a little bit different than anything you've ever seen before. I'm going to rain food down out of the sky. Every morning when you wake up, if you want breakfast, look outside your tent, walk outside the camp, and I'm going to have food that has fallen from heaven, and it's going to be there for you to get. Go and get as much as you want every single day. Eat it, eat your fill every day. It's going to be there, right? It will never run out. But God said, hey, listen, as you do that, Get as much as you want, but only get enough for that day. Eat it in that day because I want you to continue to trust me to provide for you each and every day. And so that's what they did. They would collect enough food for one day, trusting that God would provide for them the next day. But there were a few people that didn't trust God. And so you know what they did? They got greedy. They got greedy. And they thought it was up to them. 
And so they collected more and more and more, and I don't know if they put it in a Yeti or an Arctic or something else to, to preserve it or whatever, but, but they took more and more, and they hid it in their tent so nobody else could see it. You know what happened to it? They woke up the next day, and it was full of maggots. It was rotten. It, it was no good anymore because they did not trust God to provide. God was saying, you can trust me. God was saying, I'll provide. I will meet your need. And he even said, hey, on the sixth day, I want you to get enough for two days. And that day, it will keep overnight. That day, it will be good because that seventh day, what I want you to do, I want you to rest. I don't want you to think about the work that you have to do. I want you to think about me. I want you to live in relationship with me. Listen, this command to rest, to stop, to cease working and to set apart a day as holy among God. That, that's God's way of calling them to, to this place of trust, to, to this place where they had to remember that God would provide. He, he was inviting them, and, and I think this is an incredible invitation. He's inviting them to just not worry, to set aside worry and to trust in him. Listen, my, my kids do that very well, that they set aside worry. Right? They're, they're, I don't think there's ever been a time where they thought, I wonder if I'm going to be able to eat today. I wonder if mom and dad are going to provide for me, right? They're in this relationship with me and Chelsea as their parents where they don't have to worry about a thing. And in fact, many days, their biggest worry is what kind of blizzard they're going to get from Dairy Queen, you know, after dinner or something like that, right? That they just, they're okay, right? They trust. They don't have to worry. And by the grace of God, God is providing for me and for Chelsea. And through that same grace, we're able to provide for our kids. And listen, it might sound really silly, but this Sabbath command, right? That's the kind of relationship that God is inviting his children into then. That's the kind of relationship that God is inviting us into as his children today, a relationship where we can not worry, where we can trust God to provide. But here's the temptation. The temptation for us is to always fight for a little bit more, to always work for a little bit more, to always try to earn a little bit more money, to always try to do better in school, to take that extra step, to take that extra, extra class. Listen, our culture teaches us you have to get it done or it's not going to happen. And that message being played over and over for us has caused many, many people to live their lives with a confidence only in ourselves, right, without giving a second thought that, hey, listen, you know what, I, I bet God will provide. A lot of us, we, we talked about pace at the very beginning this morning and how fast-paced our lives are. We, we live at such a fast pace that we feel like if we take a break, everything's going to fall apart. If, if we take a break, we're going to miss an opportunity. If we take a break, our business might not ever make it. If we take a break, our kids aren't going to have this opportunity or that opportunity, or they're not going to be able to do this very, very specific thing. Listen, listen, we read God's Word, we see that we should not live this way. This fourth commandment. It says stop, work hard, and then stop. There's this invitation to show God we trust him by setting aside a time, a Sabbath for him. Right? You want a real life 2020 example of God providing here? It's really easy to see. You drove past one this morning probably. It's Chick-fil-A, right? We all love Chick-fil-A. Who's going to eat Chick-fil-A for lunch today? Nobody. Right? Unless you've got some in your refrigerator left over from yesterday, right? That they're closed on Sunday. You ever thought about why? You probably know, but, but I mean, the Kathy family, they're, they're followers of Jesus. And they set aside that day as a day to not work. 
a day to rest, a day to worship, a day to be with God and do things to refuel and restore them. They very easily could take that day off and allow other people to work, but it is so important to them. They shut the whole thing down so everybody that works for them can experience that same thing. And, and listen, I didn't fact check this, but, but I read that, that Sundays are, are the highest earning days for fast food restaurants, and they completely shut it down. Right? Think about people outside of their company looking in and saying, what are you doing? Think about the millions or billions. I, I don't really know how that works. Think about all the money that you're leaving on the table by shutting down for an entire day. Are you crazy? And the answer is no. We just trust God. We trust God to provide, and, and it looks like he has, right, that they've done pretty well. They've shown that, that we can trust God, and I think that trust shows up in our lives in two ways, action and attitude. We trust God with our actions, and we trust God with our attitude. There's two action steps here that, that reveal our trust, and the first is this. It's just to do what God's Word says. It's to set aside a day that's different from every other day where you don't work, but instead where you draw close to God, where you remember Him. You set the day aside for Him to spend time, to know, to grow, all those other things. I'd suggest Sunday, and we'll talk about why in just a minute, because some of you are thinking, wait, Saturday, Sunday, they, they were on Saturday, are we on Sunday? We'll get to that in a minute, but I'm saying set aside a day. That's action step number one. And action step number two for us is after we've set aside a day, protect it. Protect it because people are coming for that day. Your schedule, your time, your calendar, people are going to want a piece of that. The temptation is going to be there to work. Don't. Set it aside for God. And then we trust God in our attitudes as well in two ways. And the first is this, just, just reshaping how we think. We've got to think of the Sabbath as the gift that it is. It is a gift from God. Our bodies need rest. They were designed to stop. They were designed to slow down. They were designed to be put back together. God is giving us this command as a gift to say, hey, I know you need it. It's okay. You can stop and take it. Think about the Sabbath as a gift. And then as we think about it as a gift, again, in our attitudes, just allow God to change our mind, right? Helping us build up this mindset of trust, letting us know and understand we're dependent on him. This isn't about us, and it's not about what we can do. God is a good God. He is good to his children, and he will provide for us. So, so when we think Sabbath, my prayer is that we will think trust, and that we'll trust God, and, and not just trust, but, but obviously rest as well, right? The second point this morning is rest, right? Trust God, and then number two is rest in him. If you look at verse 9, it's very clear. Six days you'll work right? Work, work, work. And then on the seventh, you'll do no work. You'll stop. The people of Israel, their day to, to do that was the last day of their week. It was Saturday and it was set aside as that day to cease from work, to rest and to focus on God. In the New Testament, after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus rose, we call it Easter what? Not Saturday, Sunday, right? So Jesus rose on a Sunday, and so the New Testament church adopted that day as their day of rest on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So if you've ever wondered why is it it's Sunday for us and Saturday back then, that's why, right? To celebrate Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And as we, we set aside the day to rest, let me suggest two things that should be a part of all of our resting in God. The first is worship. That's the model we see in the New Testament. The church set aside the day to rest, and a big part of that rest was worship. 
They gathered as a church family. They connected as a church family. They worshiped God as a church family. They refueled. They built each other up. They encouraged one another. When we gather together and sing songs of worship like we did a few minutes ago, when we sit in our life groups, when we sit in here, when we open up God's word and speak to one another and talk to one another, there should be this, this soul rest that happens in us where we're encouraged, where we're built up, where we leave knowing that we have had an encounter with God and God has done an incredible thing in our hearts. Right? I read a quote this week that, that I thought was so good. It said, consider what a difference in the individual lives of the people of God there will be when they decide to do something so sensible, so simple and biblical as making their participation in regular worship services of the church a priority that brings them rest, right? A time to come together and rest. And then the second part of rest outside of worship, it's very obvious. It's, it's restoration, right? It's this, this being refueled kind of concept. We work hard. All of us work hard. It doesn't matter our age, our jobs, our responsibilities in the home, outside the home. We all work hard and we need time to recharge, to take a break and to be disconnected from our normal rhythm and flow to be put back together. And, and that, that's what the Sabbath should be a, a big part of it, this time of restoration. So, so God calls us in, th- in that moment to do things that build us up, to do things that make us better, to do things that energize us, to do things that stir up in our hearts this affection for God right? Enjoy nature, read a book, spend time in the Word, play with your kids, play with your family, go fishing, watch the sunset, all of these different things. You probably got your list of things that make you feel good and refuel you and restore you. Let me be clear, when God says rest, he's not saying numb your mind. He's not saying binge watch Netflix for 12 hours in a day, right? That's not what God's talking about. God's saying, let me put you back together. Do things that, that draw you close to me. Do things that make you think about me as you do. And you're going to be ready to do all that I have called you to do throughout the week. Listen, the Sabbath is a gift given by God to the people of God so that we could enjoy the things that God's given us. And as we do that, we'd have rest. Now, as we look at this commandment, it could be easy to think about it like this. If you look at verses 8 and 9 again, you'll see work hard for six days, then take one day to break. So I'm going to work hard for six days and just deplete my battery, get all the way down almost to zero to, to where I'm on the verge of, you know, of, of losing it, and then plug in for one day and recharge, right? Sort of like our phones. We, we take our phones and, and we use them, and, and we, we get it to where this little bar at the top that's green, it goes all the way down to red, and then it clicks 5%, 2%, 1% left. And, and before it dies, what do we do? Well, we plug it in. We think, okay, it's, it's about to come out. I need to plug it in. I'm going to plug it in until it's full. And then when it's full, I'm going to take it apart and wear it all the way down again and then plug it in. And, and what happens with our phones is, is we have this constant cycle of plugging it in to the thing that gives it life and then removing it from the thing that gives it life, draining it all the way down and then plugging back in. Listen, that's not what this command is about. When we see this, right, it, it, it's not about draining all the way down and then plugging back in, right? It, it, it brings us to this concept where we are always plugged in to the one that gives us life, right? The phone is not how our lives should look. The Sabbath bringing us to this place of trust and rest will affect all parts of our lives and how we live each and every day, right? It will allow us to moment by moment trust in God to moment by moment enjoy the good gifts of God, to moment by moment find these opportunities and these seasons and these times of rest, even among all of our work. Remember what Jesus said, come to me all who are weary, 
all who are tired, that are carrying these burdens, and I'll give you rest. Not just one day a week. Right? We'll experience it in every area of our lives. I read this week, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently because they're constantly plugged in to the one who gives us life. Right? And for, for us, to a people who are busier than probably any, any people in the history of the world, to people who, who are more works-based, more uh, production-focused than any other time in history, this concept of stopping and resting still applies. God says stop, right? It, it's countercultural. It was for Israel too, but, but God calls us to it, and we know that it's the right thing to do. I saw a funny picture on Facebook last night. I think that they've got it on the screens. It's just some words. I want to show it to you and, and see if you've ever been there. Um, it might come in a minute. It might come. Oh, there it is in the back. Okay, they, they, put, they put it up there, right? Am I constantly tired? Yes. But am I staying awake when I should be sleeping? Also, yes. Right? By a person that, put, that admitted, man, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I need rest. I should go to sleep right now. But am I? No. That's not how God wants us to look at this commandment, right? We know we need it. We know our bodies are designed for it. We crave this rest that only God can give us. We need, we need to walk in the light that God's given us to keep a Sabbath and to set a day apart for God. It's going to require some changes for us. We might have to adjust things in our schedule. We might have to shift some priorities around. The people of Israel had to do that exact same thing, but just know that as we do this, it's going to be a blessing for us as we take time to rest in God, right? Sabbath is trust and rest, and I pray that our lives will be marked by those things. Would you pray with me? If we take a second to just think about God's word this morning, I just, I just want to walk you to, through two things in a moment of prayer. As we think about this concept of stopping, this concept of resting, I'm going to invite some of you right now to just say, you know what? I need to scale back. I invite some of you right now to, to go before the Lord and say, God, I, I don't have that intentional time. I don't have those intentional moments. I don't have that intentional day where I, where I focus on you, where I allow you to restore me and to, to refill me, to refuel me, all of those different kinds of things. And I'm guessing that there are many in here that would be in that place right now. Just use this time right now and say, God, I'm going to stop. God, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to get it done. I'm going to trust you to provide. I'm going to trust you with the things that just are, are overflowing out of my life right now. God, help me to trust. And as I trust, God, help me to rest. And as you rest, and know that the God will draw you close to him. We know this. But when we cram our schedule so full, oftentimes the things that get pushed out are the things that matter most. Let's make sure we reshape, refocus, and find those times to draw close to God. And for those of you this morning that would think, man, I'm new to this. I haven't been in a church in a while. I haven't thought about talking to Jesus or resting in him because I don't, I don't know him. Listen, here's the incredible thing. This thing that, that God gave us so long ago in the Old Testament, this concept of trust 
and rest like everything else in the Old Testament. It's ultimately pointing us forward to Jesus because we, we know that, that eternal rest comes when you and I trust in him. In the, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, we see that Jesus has said, hey, listen, trust me and I'll provide. Jesus has said, stop trying to work your way into a relationship with God. Let me do it for you. I've done everything that's required for you to know peace, for you to know rest, for you to know God, for you to have eternal life. It comes by trusting in Jesus. So this morning, if you would say, you know what? I've never felt rest. I've never felt peace. Let me invite you to trust in Jesus, the source of our rest, the source of our peace. Just a second, we're going to stand to worship. And if you would like to trust Jesus and experience the peace and rest he can give. If you've got something else going on in your life, if you're walking through a hard season, a busy season, a season of grief, a season of loss, we're going to have prayer partners that are right down here at the front, off to the right, over by our baptistry, by that cross. They'll be down there. They're just ready to pray with you, to talk to you about what's going on in your life. If you're at home or even in the room and, and you want to talk or pray with someone about peace, about rest or trust, or anything else that's going on. There's a number on the screen. All you've got to do is text that number and one of our pastors will give you a call and begin to pray with you. God, we love you. We trust you. We thank you, God, this morning for the gift of rest. God, we thank you that it doesn't depend on us. God, but it's all about you. I pray that our focus would be on you. God, and that we would take the time, that we would accept the gift that you've given us to slow down and to intentionally connect with you and be put back together, God, because we know as we do that, God, we will be productive and fruitful as we draw close to you and point the world around us to you as well. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship?